disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. So we're going to go into the weeds a little bit on today's episode, and I think it's a very important weed patch to dive into, and it's the economy and why it's acting the way it's acting. We have a very interesting situation in our economy right now, and I don't think a lot of people in America understand it. So I wanted to bring on my friend, Dr. John Guerin. Uh, he is the uh, he is a the professor BB and T professor of economics at the Gatton College of Business and Economics at the University of Kentucky. Um, he's a founding director and an affiliate of the Institute for the Study of Free Enterprise. He is a stalwart depend, defender of the free market system and of capitalism as a whole. Um, and he is a super, super smart, super intelligent guy. He's got a PhD from the Ohio State University. Um, Ohio State University. Um, let's see, two. I'm sorry. He's got a master of a, a master of administration from Ohio State, PhD from Ohio State, and a bachelor's from the University of Washington. The dude is highly, highly educated, super smart and sharp, and a fun guy to talk to. I really like him a lot. So we're going to dive into this conversation about inflation, why are prices going higher, what's going on with the economy, what can we expect long term, and what are the policies driving that. So buckle up. This one's a fun one. First, though, got to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Appreciate Tim Montgomery and his crew so much. You know, one of the things that you guys know about me that have been listening for a long time is that I value work ethic above just about everything else when it comes to business, right? Um, mistakes can be fixed. Um, problems can be solved. But what is your work ethic? What is your your level of passion for your craftsmanship? And craftsmanship can be literal craftsmanship or anything that you do. But one of the reasons I've always respected Tim Montgomery at Louisville Cabinets and Countertops is because we share that work ethic, that pride in our craftsmanship, that wanna juice, that desire to do the right thing and do it well. And uh, they did our kitchen and our master bath and our home in Kentucky. I'm confident it's the reason that it's sold in less than a day. So if you're thinking about remodeling your kitchen, I want you to give them a call. 502-930-3304. Talk to George, Kelly, Michelle. They are the designers on staff that will help you build your dream kitchen. Now, if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, they have beautiful, high-quality cabinets in stock. You can see them on the website at louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. So check that out as well. If you're in Louisville, Southern Indiana, or um, uh, or Oldham County, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops is your place. Tim Montgomery, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, 502-930-3304. All right, now let's get into our conversation with Dr. John Guerin, economist at the University of Kentucky. I just don't think people realize how you know, significant some of the decisions that have been made over the last couple of years, not just under the Biden administration, but also under the Trump administration, but exacerbated under the new system how much that's actually going to affect us down the line in terms of inflation and yeah. other problems, which is why I wanted to have you on. So welcome back. It's good to talk to you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, glad to be here. Glad, uh, happy to, happy to, uh, happy to chat. Um, let's, let's kind of start with, you know, with the COVID, um, we sort of had the, the economy crash because we shut everything down 
And yeah. in the process, um, we, we're having this weird recovery now um, that is it's it's red hot in some ways. And in other ways, it's it's really struggling. And it's like you have people that are choosing not to go back to work that could be working. Um, you also have supply problems because it's coming back so fast. There's like this pent up demand where people kind of paid off all their debt over the last year if they were lucky enough to keep their job. And then, you know, they're so they're spending like crazy now. Um, but yeah, so it's 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 a mess. Is, is Have you ever seen anything like this in terms of? The dynamics? No. I think this is unprecedented in, uh, well, and certainly the 20th and 21st centuries. I don't know if, <laughs> if there's stuff before that <laughs> that I don't, uh, you know, haven't, haven't bothered to read about. But, um, yeah, I, I just think having a, uh, you know, shut down, you know, basically a recession by mandate, right? Right. That uh, everyone go home. Yeah. Uh, and uh, obviously, uh, well, not everyone, but, you know, large shares of the economy. No, you can't. You can't operate. And, um, you know, it's it's um, uh, supposedly, you know, for health reasons, but I don't think there's ever been a response like this to uh, any other any other, uh, you know, viral yeah. threat. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think it's unprecedented. And. Um, it's just, um, well, there's a lot of things about it I don't agree with, the, the policy. Uh, um, but um, if you want an, 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 I mean, it was just sort of bizarre, particularly last summer, and even even in the uh, even in January, where we had more COVID relief bills, uh, where people were saying, oh, we got to have the, you know, the government do something to stimulate the economy. Well, you can't stimulate an economy if it's shut down. If you're ordered to be shut down, there, right. you know, you're not going to be producing stuff. Right. So, I mean, there's bailout things you can do if you keep people from starving, but that's completely different than than um, somehow stimulating the economy. Yeah, it was um, it was weird seeing them give loan programs to businesses that they had shut down, and it's like, well. <laughs> you, you, you're not you're not able to make any investments when you are at half capacity or quarter per cap capacity or you're you know you're having to shift the entire model of your business on a moment's notice yeah. because and I, don't, I won't ask you to get into this but I think that that entire because I, I think you're right we've never had any reaction to a pandemic the way this was especially not for one that was so survivable in terms of the virus itself I, I believe that mm -hmm. I, I believe and will always believe that that was 100 percent uh, taking advantage of an opportunity to take out a president who had probably the the hottest economy since certainly since Reagan, but definitely I think maybe even in my lifetime. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's kind of a whole subject in and of itself. But uh, you know why this uh, this 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 uh, severity of the the policy reaction to it right. when it would seem like I mean there are a lot of you know, there's a lot of debate over this, but there are some really sort of even uh, even tempered, thoughtful people who uh, argued for a much more targeted uh, response right. to uh, this, and um, that would have meant much less disruption. Yeah, for sure. And um, so, yeah, I, so I don't know. I mean, you know, the politics of this are just really messy. And but you're right, the economy was inc uh, just incredibly hot. 
and I think there's still the uh, the and this kind of speaks to what you were saying at the beginning. There's still that uh, overhang of that, so to speak. I mean, it seems like businesses were ready to rock and roll yeah. in in January of 2020, and um, then they got derailed. And I think to some extent they're still ready to go. Right. And um, so that's partly uh, kind of one one part that, that, as you were saying, one part of things seem real, you know, hot and ready to go. And the other part is is the <laughs> the COVID the COVID coat relief in in January, February, whenever that passed. I guess it was in February. Um, is uh, you know partly because of all the uh, you know, unemployment insurance offered, uh, you know, it's slowing things down. Right. Uh, can't find people, and then to start rebuilding supply chains and and the like is is also apparently well, an impediment. And I, I want to ask, um, I want to. This has to be super interesting for you as an economist because one thing I wanted to ask you about was let's dig into that a little bit on the unemployment side um, because. Uh-huh. What what I I read a very interesting article. I think it was either in Forbes or it might have been the Wall Street Journal the other day. But it was talking about how we have this sort of false labor shortage. You know, it's it's people sitting at home yeah. because they don't have to work. Um, and what's happening is, in order to entice them back into the workforce, they're raising um, raising the cost of labor that isn't necessarily in line with the value of that labor, so to speak. And then what'll end yeah. up happening is there'll be price increases and workforce shrinkages as the sort of rubber bands back on the system. In other words, people who are sitting out right now because they're making a little bit more or really close to the same amount because on unemployment are going to find themselves permanently there if they're not careful because that this whole this thing's going to contract, don't you think? I mean, on the back side of it where you have this higher cost of labor that really the market doesn't command. Yeah. Well, that's right. I mean, if, uh, if, if, if businesses want to hire, uh, one way they can react to that is try to pay more. And then of course that, that tries to induce more people to, uh, to come into the labor force. But at the same time, it, it uh, <laughs> makes firms less willing to hire so many people. Right. Um, but uh, when the unemployment insurance, I guess a, a number of states have, have stopped it already. It's, it's yeah, but, well, half of them, all then, of the uh, ones with governors that are Republican have stopped it. Yeah. And all of the ones yeah. with Democrat-run state states have all yeah. kept it going. Well, that'll be an interesting yeah. compare com, uh, comparison chart uh, when it's all said and done. Uh, that will be a very interesting one. But um, eventually, you know, it's, it's going to all fade away, the, you know, the, the federal supplement. And then, um, um, you know, the 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 what impetus to sort of you know raise wages and whatnot won't be so uh, won't be so great. So I think the jobs will be there. It's just to kind of uh, as long as other conditions uh, uh, continue to be good. Right. And but I'm actually worried about that. I think right now everyone is so eager to sort of get back at it. You know, and and uh, get back doing things, go out, and uh, businesses ready to ready to uh, to hire and produce. And um, um, I think there's still a lot of that enthusiasm out there. Yeah. Um, I I guess I'm worried that that uh, is going to uh, dampen 
as particularly as uh, depending on what happens here in Congress, if if uh, the Biden administration gets their way in a lot of things, that um, it, it doesn't look good right. for long term. Yeah, I mean um, when you're when you're talking about taxing the investors, the people who invest in businesses that invest in innovation. Yeah. Um, when you're talking about doing that at the same time that you're talking about spending enormous amounts of money that simply don't exist, um, yeah. it's a recipe for disaster in fairly short order. Once this, you know, once everybody's used to being back out of the cage again, so to speak, um, yeah. then then there's going to be a pretty quick backlash. I think that at least me just looking at the tea leaves, if like you said, if they're successful. Now, some things could happen to change that, but let's dive into the the what's causing inflation right now because I think it's unfair to just say, well, it's the liberals' fault, which it kind of is in some ways, but I think it's more complicated and nuanced than that. Um, and let me just kind of lay this out, and then I want to get your thoughts on it. So first we have inflation in the form of rising prices for energy, and that we can track almost directly to two things. Number one, President Biden's antipathy towards fossil fuels and showing so with executive orders shutting down pipelines and access to drilling right away. But also, at the same time we're killing our supply, we're increasing demand because people are now being let back out of the house. So there's that. But on top of that, my wife works in the construction business, and they're having to raise prices on their um, their customers, not only because of increased supply costs, but also increased delivery costs as a result of that. And then we have inflation in regular consumer prices, some of which is probably driven by increased demand from increased spending. But where do you see all of this? I mean, what's driving it? Is it the borrowing? Is it a combination of all of the things? What's driving it? Yeah, I think I think basically uh, the things you talked about, I, I would uh, tend to agree with. I, I think that there have been some policies that uh, inhibit supply and make it uh, more costly to so buy goods and services. Well, I mean, one of them, of course, is the unemployment insurance thing. Right. Uh, you got to pay more to hire people. I think the uh, there is a concern about what's happening with fossil fuels. Uh, it's uh, and that. Uh, there is an immediate effect of some closing off some of the leasing on federal lands, as well as the, uh, the pipeline, Keystone Pipeline. I think there's also a longer-term expectation now. Well, I don't know how long, but you know, in the next several years, anyway, that fossil fuel development is going to be problematic. Right. And you know, those future expectations get feed their way into current prices, right? If you think prices are of of uh, uh, fossil fuels are going to be higher in the future, well, I'm going to try to you know get more now, right? So right, that's going right. to put up uh, raise prices now. So, and I also think you know the uh, regulatory environment has changed. I think people are very very worried about. Um, uh, you know, not only regulation of fossil fuels, but uh, sort of waters of the United States type regulation. Right. Uh, that, that apparently the Biden administration, well, under the Obama administration, there was a very broad definition of what waters of the United States means in terms of regulation of uh, uh, use of water. Could be a farmer's and then, uh, mud puddle in their driveway. Yeah, right. And then uh and then that got narrowed during the Trump administration. Now it's being broadened again. Yeah. So 
just uh, developing, and, and we're supposedly having this big infrastructure bill that is going to uh, <laughs> develop more infrastructure, but, you know, the, the costs of doing that are going to go up. So I think there's, there's that. There's the cost side. Costs right. are going up. And I also think that also, you're right, that people are out there ready now to spend their money. Um, that there's money in their pocket, a lot of people from unemployment insurance, but also just uh, not having spent much over the last year. And they're ready to go out and, and buy now. I and thought. So, go ahead. Sorry, I didn't mean so to. So, yeah, I think those two things together uh, are creating some, some pretty significant price hikes. Do you um, see this long? Do you see this lasting long term? Because some people are very concerned about hyperinflation. Well, uh, I don't know about hyperinflation. I mean, uh, hyperinflation usually people think of like you know, uh, you know, kind of a Venezuela type situation. Of, uh, yeah. Pardon. I was going to say yeah. like a Venezuela type situation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I think Venezuela a couple of years ago had like 600% inflation Jeez. or something like a second one. So no, I, I don't, I don't anticipate that. I just think that the uh, there are some concerns about how our economy is going to grow and how um, and, and if the Fed is going to be accommodative of all this debt that's coming out. Mm. And if they're accommodative. Yeah, there's going to be inflation. Right. So there is that potential for for inflation. Yeah, probably not hyperinflation, but inflation that that people are very uncomfortable with. Right. Um. And but I guess um, maybe more immediate, maybe not right now because people are ready to you know get out there and get going and buy and sell stuff. But when this when this, uh, we all kind of get back to quote somewhat some level of normality. After that, we're left with potentially left with this overhang of uh, uh, potential tax increases yeah. um, to just service the debt. Um, a bunch of regulatory, uh, um, more regulatory impediments to supplying goods and services. Yeah. And so we're we're back in this sort of this kind of this stagflation kind of an environment where maybe you have a bit of inflation and the economy is just not growing and um, it's just kind of this blah. Right. So we we may not you know go off of a cliff here into into <laughs> default sovereign debt default and hyperinflation probably that's pretty unlikely, but. We may be in this just this long, you know, this blah right. kind of where uh, Jimmy Carter's malaise, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I was <laughs> a little the boy then. Was, yeah. was, even though the malaise, I mean, he was thinking of, I guess, a psychological malaise, but really, was it, it was a, it was a regulatory and tax induced malaise, so to speak. If nobody had incentives to do things, yeah. I were worried about, you know, getting regulated or getting taxed. And I guess that's what I'm worried about is that this concern about, you know, oh, we better not do that. There's, you know, there's a bunch of regulations. We can't do that. Or if we do this, you know, we're going to get clobbered with taxes. Uh, or now I'm even worried about, boy, if we do that, the woke police are going to come after us. Right. And we'll get, uh, we'll get 
slaughtered on uh, social media. Yeah. Uh, backed up by, um, you know, a lot of plenty of people in Congress and the administration who want to who want to nail people to the wall over uh, over woke issues. Right. Uh, so you know, being investigated. You know, if you, if someone doesn't like what you're doing, somebody in Congress, um, and maybe you know, maybe I'm being a little, <clears throat> a little oversensitive here, but um, <laughs> if they don't like what a business is doing, you know, there's plenty of committees in Congress that can investigate, right? A firm, right? And and if and or maybe you know um, some sort of a you know document request right. or maybe threaten of a lawsuit well you're talking millions of dollars now in legal fees right. on a firm right to deal with all this stuff it's fairly substantial and you know for for uh you know the facebooks and and in Google's of the world, a million dollars is kind of chump change probably <laughs> for, for a smaller company. It's not, I mean, yeah. that's a big deal. Yeah. That is like sort of in kind of implicit regulation. You better not, you know, do this or do that because it's going to look bad right. and we're going to get investigated. And that's how many millions of dollars of, of cost and time and effort. So, I, I worry about that kind of environment where everyone's in, where where companies are just so jittery about about yeah. looking to be woke or whatever. Or, well, it, and, or maybe it, just it can infect the HR department, or where lawsuits can cripple a small business because somebody oh, said yeah. the wrong thing or did the wrong thing or offended somebody or whatever. Um, I want to dive into the regulatory atmosphere just a little bit too because you mentioned it coming back with a vengeance under the Biden administration. And I saw a story the other day that I, I kind of smiled when I saw this because I've, I've been, I've watched a lot of documentaries about the California uh, weed industry, right? They were kind of on the uh -huh. forefront of legalizing, you know, uh -huh. marijuana. And now a lot of States are doing it, but in California, the black market for weed is still thriving. And it's interesting that the reason it's thriving, um, is because the small there's only two ways you can basically make money selling marijuana in the state of California, and that is to sell it illegally on the black market or to have a massive chemical laden, you know, major operation that is able to deal with the regulatory process. So now, you know, to deal with this, California said, "Oh, look, our small businesses can't grow weed." What are we going to do? We're going to give them a hundred million dollars in taxpayer money. That'll help it. And it's funny because I'm like, the reason why the small guys can't make money is because you regulate the hell out of them. That's why they can't make money. So now you're going to yeah. take more. I, I just, I'm, I'm wondering when we're going to see California completely collapse because I, I don't know how yeah. they have survived in this sort of socialist bubble on the West coast. As long as they have, I guess it's because the feds bail them out, but um, that's a perfect example of what you were saying, where you have this incredible regulatory atmosphere where the small guy can't compete. And the answer, according to government, is more regulation and stealing more of other people's money to redistribute it when really all they need to do is just cut the red tape and let businesses be businesses. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you're uh, yeah, you're you're trying to fix a silly regulation with a another silly regulation, right? <laughs> yeah, rather than get rid of the first silly regulation. Well, and and the concern uh, the concern is often the environment, which is another hilarious thing because when the black market is thriving, guess what they're doing? They're setting um, forest fires in dry woods yeah. in Northern California because they're bringing in this stuff, doing it in national parks, and they're actually creating more. They're diverting entire you know, water sources from normal places. I mean, they're creating an entire environmental catastrophe because it's so regulated to do it the right way that it's more profitable to just destroy the environment and do it in the black market. It's hilarious. I mean, it's like the problem is creating itself. Yeah. Yeah, it, it is. And it's very sad, but it is a beautiful place. And they've got a lot of, a lot of, a lot of wonderful stuff out there, but man, it's just like they're, uh, um, taking advantage of that, and you know, people you'll live very high, and and uh, crime is high, and and we're regulating, and, right. and there are a lot of people like that. But man, uh, it's just uh, I'm sort of agreeing with with a lot of what you said. It's just kind of you wonder you wonder how um, you know, people go on with that indefinitely. Do you think and, Do you uh, think Americans understand? how the economy works anymore. Like, okay, so Chipotle customers, this was from Business Insider. Chipotle customers are complaining about receiving tiny burritos as the chain is raising prices. This goes back to what we were talking about before. The serve the serve the serving is smaller, the price is higher because and do you think anybody in America really understands the because? <laughs> well, <sighs> It's a mixed bag, I'd say. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who, you know, they don't follow they don't follow events much and they just uh, get mad when when something costs more. How does get government to fix this, right? right. As right. if government can wave yeah, a magic wand and make everything better. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mean, you've been around and talked to lots of different groups you know, back in the day, the Tea Party groups and, and a whole bunch of other. And there are some incredibly well-informed people out there. Who, some of them are kind of nutty, but not, <laughs> most of them are not, right? right. That, that, they, that they they are very well-informed and they sort of get this, that you can't just create something out of nothing. So it's a real mixed bag in my mind that and uh, um, that there's seems like a lot of people out there still who just don't get the very basics that, that, uh, you know, there's no such thing as a free lunch right. and, uh, right. that government doesn't just wave a wand and somehow create stuff for everyone. So there's, there's, and, in the newspapers, the media, they don't really help. No. Um, so it's a big problem, even though I still think there's a lot of people out there who are pretty well-informed and who do get a lot of the basic stuff, but there's enough or not. And uh, uh, and like I say, the media is just not interested in, um, you know, a little deeper, uh, developing deeper understanding. Maybe that's not their job. I don't know. They don't consider it their job. You know, they, they want uh, sound bites. And, um, that's, uh, once you get outside of, you know, talk radio and some of the other, 
things like that that uh you know it's no longer it it seems to be sound bites and uh, uh, that doesn't that doesn't help <laughs> yeah no doubt I, I, uh, let me i agree with you on the media by the way i think either they don't they don't understand it or they're deliberately obfuscating it because they don't want people to understand what the underlying issues are um but maybe just to kind of wrap this up let me ask you this what and I know you're not a financial advisor, but what are the smart things to do right now, given the current environment? If you're a business owner um, or if you're somebody who's looking to invest in businesses, what, what is, what's the smart play in the current regulatory slash tax environment? Which, again, if nothing changes, we're going to see higher taxes. We definitely are already seeing higher regulations. What's the smart play right now for a business? <laughs> Well, now that's a tough one for me to uh, to uh, to take on because I've actually thought about this a good bit in my own uh, my own personal portfolio, and I don't have a good answer. Mm. Um, and this is where you need a, a financial advisor because you know these these policies that are that we're seeing are so broad based that they affect the stock market, they affect the bond market, they affect the real estate market, they affect, you know, the commodities markets. So, and most of them, uh, well, I mean, I, I guess you, a lot of them, not in a very good way. <laughs> right. So it's long-term, heavy regulation and taxes is not good for the stock market. It's not good for the bond market. Right. It's not good for the real estate market. So what do you do? And and so I, you know, I don't have any good answers. What would you? Um, what would you? Now there there Go are ahead, individual sorry. markets. There are individual markets that can can do better than others. Right. And but that's where you need to have the more fine grained uh, knowledge that uh, good financial advisors will know about. What, what would be your policy recommendation if you were sitting with Joe Biden right now? Yeah. Not that he would listen, but. <laughs> If you were sitting right. there with him right now, what would you say to him? Because and, and he said to you, John, Doctor Garen, I'm a little worried about this inflation process here. What would you yeah. tell him? Well, I'd say just start over uh, and go back to back. <laughs> Do what Trump did <laughs> to swear one. <laughs> well, some of that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think I think you know, fundamentally, you, federal spending has got to be looked at very very closely. Yeah, uh, and not, which, by the way, Trump wasn't the uh, wasn't the tightest belt when it came to government spending. Just so you, just so people know, <laughs> no, he wasn't. But that was a t- that's a tough one to yeah. take on, particularly because a lot of the uh, federal spending problems right now are entitlement, you know, Social Security and Medicare. Right, and you can't you can't just cut that. Right, you can you can limit its growth. So yeah, that would that, those would be where I'd start, and not sort of labeling on more entitlement programs like they're planning to do. With education and some healthcare stuff, uh, yeah, you don't. I mean, that's already a problematic area, and they're just going to add to the problem of entitlement spending. So entitlement spending is big, right? And um, so, and the regulatory stuff, I think they're they're just they're just going overboard. They're ready to they're ready to uh, uh, ditch fossil fuels tomorrow. Right. Right. And there's and, no, there's no and, viable competitive replacement that, that, and everything they're using right now destroys the environment. I was laughing at 
I got a I subscribed to Backpacker magazine, which used to be a really good magazine about going backpacking. Now it's full of um, wokeonomics and uh, climateomics and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, okay. But there was this article that came across, and it was like, oh, these poor birds, because this guy. Um, these people flying these drones are killing these birds like by the thousands. And I was like, yeah, but you just advocated for everybody to have a windmill in their backyard and that's killing birds by the millions. And I'm like, nobody cares about it when it's being done in the name of the climate. But it's like, you know, these, the, the lithium batteries that we're using in electric cars are a complete economic disaster. There's no way to dispose of them. Solar panels are an economic or eco disaster. There's no on the horizon there's maybe something with hydrogen maybe we can do something with with nuclear um the bill right. gates warren buffett um thing that there were they're working on a small nuclear reactor could be interesting but there's nothing to replace it at the moment you know unless we can figure out right. how these ufos fly around maybe then we can do it without <laughs> killing the environment right. but yeah there's it, it's fine if you want to transition to a cleaner fuel system i'm all i'm all aboard with that i just you you can't throw out the baby with the bathwater. You got to have something to transition to given the demand we have. You can't bankrupt every single American in the process. Yeah. Well, and here's the paradox of that is that the uh, in the last uh, 10 or 15 years uh fuels fuels have become much more cleaner precisely because of fracking and the use the discovery of much more the ability to get out much more natural gas. Yeah. And even though, yeah, even though it does, it, there's some carbon that comes out with that, but but the overall level of pollution that you get from burning natural gas is much, much, much lower than uh, other fossil fuels. Right. So here, here's a case where you're using more fossil fuels, you're getting less pollution, and it's and it's uh, what doing exactly the opposite of what <laughs> right. environmental friendly people do. Right. Advocate. We're, yeah. we're getting more fossil fuels, and they're cleaner fossil fuels. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, I would like to, I I am interested in the hydrogen potential. Um, there's some, there's been some breakthroughs on that, uh, in in a hydrogen engine. I don't know. It's, it's not safe yet, but boy, that could, that would be, that could really change things. Yeah. Yeah. I did see an article. I think it was in the wall street journal the other day about it. It it seems to be fairly speculative right now. Yeah, it is. uh, Yeah. Although, you know what? Did you hear about Porsche? Porsche, this will be interesting. Porsche has developed a combustion engine that uses, you know, fuel. Mm -hmm. But it is so efficient that apparently, like, I'm trying to remember exactly because I heard this on the Joe Rogan podcast. But it was like, it's so efficient that it's it's like a tiny fraction of a percent of emissions coming from the breakdown of the fuel in the engine. I don't, it, it's, or I'm, no, no, I'm sorry. What it is is it's a synthetic fuel. So it runs like a combustion engine, but it's a synthetic fuel. So it's not coming out of the ground and it has no emissions. So, or almost no emissions. So now that's, uh, it's Porsche, that's a high dollar car, but so is a Tesla, right? I mean, if we could, if we could put, if half the cars on the road were using a synthetic fuel that didn't have any emissions, can you imagine? Yeah. That yeah. clean the air. Well, up. this is where uh, this is where you need markets and entrepreneurs, yes. right? Where, as you know, one kind of uh, one kind of uh, resource gets more and more expensive. Well, there's a tremendous incentive to find another one, right? And so we need to let those markets work 
and and encourage and not not dissuade entrepreneurs through piles of regulation and taxes. Isn't not isn't dissuade though, entrepreneurs from jumping into stuff like that? Isn't Go one ahead. of the culprits though business itself? Because my wife and I were talking about this the other day, right? So one of the supply problems that we're having is beef is about to go up, okay? People who haven't stocked their freezer with meat, they should do it now because it's about to go up. And it's about to go up because we're now going to see that lag in the supply line because of the Russian hack of there's four there's four meat producers in America, basically, and three of them are foreign. Um, And one of them got shut down by those Russian hackers, right? So we're vulnerable. And Congressman Tom Mass- Thomas Massey, when we had the meat, meat shortage back during the COVID, was trying to get Congress to pay attention to a bill that would basically say, hey, the little guys can go ahead and cut up our meat for us, right? It's not going to hurt anything. But big business steps in and lobbies those congressmen and says, no, we don't want any competition. And it leaves us vulnerable to supply chain disruption, price hikes, all those different things. Sometimes it's business. Sometimes it's fossil fuel companies that don't want to see a competitor arise to regular fossil. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it's business that gets in the way and it's not government. Well, it's this it's this ugly marriage between big government yes. and big business. Yeah. Where the big cronyism. government has these cronyism. Big government has these powers and they can make or break uh, a business and um so businesses lobby uh for favorable favorable treatment. Yeah. And it's uh it's it now whose fault is that? Is the government's fault or the business's fault? Well, it's the system's fault, I guess, if you can call it that. I mean, that's kind of a right. cop-out, maybe. Right. But, um, yeah, I think having a government with such expansive powers like that is, is, uh, creates that creates that incentive for people to engage in games like that. And so that's just a counter, counterproductive system, Yeah, have a, a government with such great powers. So, But you're right. Gov- I mean, people will play the game. You set up the you set up the game. Businesses will play the game. If the game is lobby hard and block your competition, and it works well, that's what people will do. Right. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean it's this uh, um, it's a system that uh, a game quote it's quote a game that is just a very counterproductive one. Well, I hope people and one in which our our founders tried to prevent from happening, but uh, right. Right. You know, we're slipping. We keep slipping away from that. I think they'd be shocked right now uh, if they yeah. woke up and were like, "Holy crap! What did we just do?" <laughs> it's like we didn't think. We thought we just. They would be mad. They'd be like, "Everything we did for you guys, and you still managed to screw it up." <laughs> it's like, yeah. like this was supposed yeah. to make you better, not worse. I totally get that. Yeah. Well. Hopefully people got something, uh, you know, that they could take from this conversation and, and use because I think we need more conversations and less red versus blue politics in our in the way we talk to each other. And I think, you know, that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on was because we could kind of dive into the meat of the economics of it and, and get a little bit farther than just, you know, partisan talking points. And, and I'm, I'm super glad right. we have folks like you um, still in academia. Uh, it gives me hope. Um, Dr. John Guerin is the uh, distinguished BB&T professor of economics at the Gatton College of Business and Economics at the University of Kentucky, and um, also a founding one of the founding directors uh, of the an affiliate of an institute, the Institute for Study for Free Enterprise. So, your constant work on behalf of free enterprise, free markets, um, it doesn't go unnoticed, and I, I just want you to know that we appreciate 
uh, what you what you do and that you're out there, I think, on the front lines of people getting the education and knowledge that they need. Well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that very much. It's, uh, it's good to hear uh, some kind words like that. And thank you very much, Leland. Well, I want to have you back on again soon. Thanks for uh, let's not. We've had you on before. Let's not go like a year and a half, two years between podcasts. Okay. How about how about that? Because I think okay. I think we should really maybe at, at some point. I think there's probably some listeners out there that would appreciate maybe diving into some of the terminology that we hear but don't know what the meaning of it is and how mm-hmm. you know the the more educated people become about how things work from A to Z in the economy, the less likely we're to put up with. Uh, with Washington's bull crap. Yeah, so. I agree. All right, my friend, it's great talking to you. Thank you so much. Uh, appreciate you, and we'll talk soon. Okay, I appreciate you too. Thanks. All right, Bye. Dr. John Guerin, again, the uh, distinguished BB&T professor of economics at the Gatton College of Business and Economics at the University of Kentucky. He is, in my mind, a patriot who is out there fighting the good fight about free markets on a regular basis. I hope you got something from this because, yeah, we dove into a little bit of the kind of the wonky stuff, but it's important that you understand, that we understand, that I understand, that all of us understand kind of the background on the economics of things. And there's so much headlines just flying around right now. What's causing this? You know what I mean? Um, And what's over the horizon economically? How do we plan for that? How do we deal with that? Because I think a lot of people just tend to vote. We all vote on our wallets, but if we don't know what's causing our wallets to be skimpy, you know what I mean? That's kind of what happened last year when they created this economic crisis that didn't need to be created and booted a guy from office who had the hottest economy in my lifetime. They couldn't stand for that because they couldn't win an election against that. So they took advantage of a virus that cropped up and were able to get a guy out of office by tanking the economy. And people were like, well, we need something different, right? And they weren't able to track back what actually caused the very people that they were voting for, the very people that the American people voted for were the ones who caused the pain that they were feeling and caused them to vote for the people who caused the pain. It's ridiculous. So anyway, all right. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. I love these guys. Uh, Tim Montgomery and his crew. I can say this because I've been a customer of theirs. And the only reason I say I have been a customer and not am a customer is because I live in Colorado now. But if I was still in Kentucky, I would still be an am a customer of theirs because I wouldn't trust anybody else in the Kentuckiana area to do my kitchen or something as big and important as the heart of your home right? And they did ours. And I'm confident it's the reason our house sold in less than a day too. Um, So I highly recommend Louisville cabinets and countertops. I recommend that you call them at 502-930-3304. If you're thinking about doing any kind of kitchen remodel, small to large to a complete dress down and redo of your kitchen, call their designers, Michelle, Kelly, George. They're happy to help you build your dream kitchen. Um, Also, if you're a do-it-yourselfer or a contractor, They have in-stock cabinets that are unbelievably beautiful, high quality, and super, super duper affordable. 6200 Hit Lane, uh, it's right on the border of Oldham Oldham County and Louisville. If you're in Oldham County, Louisville, or Southern Indiana, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops 
is your place for your kitchen remodel. 502-930-3304. Thanks to my good-for-nothing, lazy co-producer and co-executive host, Cameron Mills. We're actually going to do a podcast together here in the next week or so, hopefully. Um, thanks to you for downloading the podcast. Literally thousands of po- uh, downloads a week. I'm so excited about that. Thank you so much. Uh, it's a free download. Share it with your friends at iHeartRadio's app. Google Play and Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts because that makes them share it out to other people when you do that. So I really appreciate it. Thanks to Dynamics Productions for their help with the audio on this program. And again, thanks to you. Follow me on Twitter. It's at Leland Show and at uh, at Great Lilando on Instagram. And then on Twitter, it's Zone Disruption and at The Disruption Zone on Instagram. All right. Thank you so much for listening to The Disruption Zone.